As a Papuan Australian woman, I acknowledge that I am a settler on this land that I live, work and create on. I acknowledge there are ongoing native title cases on this land today due to the impacts of colonisation and I want to pay my respects to the many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples of this country and to their elders past, present and emerging. listeners and welcome back to this podcast series stories of the 10th asia pacific triennial these podcasts are a sub phase of the australian council of the arts funded project our knowledge our practice our stories which is produced by myself moila james this is the last episode of this mini series and as you know i speak with artists curators and project support team for the queensland art gallery gallery of modern arts 10th asia pacific triennial and as i mentioned previously apt 10 is showcasing until april 22 so be sure to come and check it out before we close. One of these projects in APT10 is the Australian Centre of Asian and Pacific Arts Community Engagement Pilot, also known as ACE. As I have mentioned previously, this project seeks to enrich Pacifica audiences' engagement with works on display in APT10, while also expanding a wider audience's appreciation for and understanding of the cultural context of specific works by Pacifica artists. And to this end, ACE has engaged with and contributed to several artist projects within the exhibition, as well as providing artwork labels in the languages of the artists across 10 projects. In this episode, I speak with the project coordinator, Ruha Fafita, and research advisor, Sarai Tafa from the Pacifica Young People's Wellbeing Network about the project, what lessons and key insights have been revealed and what the future may hold. I'm so excited for you to hear from them, so let's get straight into it. Hi, my name is Ruha and I'm calling in from um, Yagara and Yagambe language speaking um, country here in Logan. Uh, I work at the Queensland Art Gallery, Gallery of Modern Art as a curatorial assistant for Pacific Art and have been very blessed to also be involved in the Akapad Community Engagement Project. Um, alongside members of the local community here in Brisbane uh, as one of the coordinators of the project. Yeah, hi. Um, my name is Sari Tafa. I am Samoan. Um, I am from an organisation called Pippin or the Basifika Young People's Wellbeing Network. And basically our mission is to invest in the wellbeing of Basifika communities through evidence-based research. And that's just to inform meaningful projects, um, including engagement with community um, and young people. So I think being a part of this project was really beneficial to support our mission as well at Pippin. Thank you both. Um, yeah, really exciting thing about this project is that uh, they're taking Pacific ways of approaching, uh, ways of learning and research, which is really cool. Um, but I think one of the questions that some of the listeners may have is why um, and what value does specifically Pacific Islander approaches have for research, for learning and for community engagement? Um, yeah, so why why is it valuable and why does people exist? Why does the project exist? It was actually something that felt uh, like a really important part of the project to learn about, like how do we, this is not necessarily a formal research project, but it was one that we felt 
because we were trying so many new things um, in this space, we wanted to make sure that we were in a reflection mode, that we were not just about seeing outcomes, but that we were considering how do we um, give a lot of attention to being able to reflect and to do so in an effective way where we can kind of um, learn how to observe patterns, how to see, um, look at our experience in almost an analytical way. And that's why, I mean, that's a very new space for me, <laughs> but um, that's why the partnership with Pippin has been so crucial to the project is to explore that middle ground. How can we take from the strength of their experience and a very, which has been, um, you know, they engage on very formal platforms and they really back a lot of research that has um, contributed to significant discourses uh, to welcome them to kind of help us see how we can start to consider um, ways of engaging, you know, community and learning processes and involving. And I think particularly Pacific ways of research, I mean, this is a Pacific oriented project, so it felt obvious in that way, but even beyond that, um, the methods of research that come in our, um, in this Telenor space of just how do you foster conversation? And it's not about one side trying to extract and learning and value for themselves, but it's how do you create value for everyone in that conversation? Yeah. And I, I feel like there's a lot more to learn about how to do that effectively, but to really begin, um, was an exciting, exciting, um, opportunity to be able to collaborate with Pippin in that way. I'm just thinking, like, in terms of research here at Pipwin, um, we have a different type of approach when we do interviews and um, instead of calling it an interview, we call it a talanoa. So already in language, it's bringing that Pacific Island view. Yeah, man, I think it's, it's just finding that balance of um, using the Western way of research and mm -hmm. our Pacifica way of research because um, I know like for generations the way that we tell stories is through storytelling mm -hmm. uh, through you know, our elders to mm -hmm. like, young people um, and then how do we take that method and implement it in today's western world of research mm -hmm. um, and I, th I think at Pippin that's a huge thing for us. So when we do do our research, it's more in Salanoa circles where everyone gets to share. Um, it's not like what Ruha said, you're not just taking information, you're also giving back. So you as the interviewer, you're also sharing a bit about yourself, uh, your history, and um, yeah, your why pretty much. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I think with this project, especially, it was really important that we do take a Pacific Island view mm. when it came to research because it just made sense it was a Pacifica-focused uh, project. Mm. I think the collaborative approach, so with uh, the ACE project in Pipwin, worked really well mm. as well. Yeah, no, it's certainly, um, I suppose, for those that are involved in the project, the methods that we use almost seem second nature in a way um, because they're very familiar. Um, 
I was also wondering, I guess, what was the catalyst, excuse the pun, um, for both of you to start these projects? So for Ruha to design the ACE project and Sarai um, to create the organisation that you run at the moment, was there a particular instance that forced you uh, or pushed you to want to start these things up? Um, so with Pipwin, I became part of this research project about four years ago and I was one of six peer researchers and our job was to go out into the community and talk to our fellow young people um, about their health and well-being and what, what that looked like for them, what that meant for them. Um, then I kind of started doing my own research about our bus figure community here in Brisbane or in Queensland and just noticed that we are a growing population, we're growing mm. at a rapid rate, yet there's very limited data uh, to support wellbeing outcomes. Um, and I think that's where I saw a gap and where Pipwin came into, uh, well, I was hoping to fill that gap uh, to increase the data so that, you know, service providers um, know where to start and how to engage with our Basfika community, in particular with young people. Um, it's just giving them the opportunities that we didn't have when we were younger, so when we were, we were in high school. Um, and then I also think back to our elders, so my grandparents and my parents and their journey here to Australia, um, that played a, a big part in... in uh, developing Pipwin as well because I was thinking to myself, man, they went through so much just to get us here. And for us, it's we need to build on that foundation that they created and not just remain on the same level. Like we need to make use of it. And that's mm. like, the more that we push and grow and thrive, that's also acknowledging the journey that they had bringing us here to this point. Mm. So I think there was lots that contributed to um, Piplin developing, but yeah, I think those are probably the main points for me. Yeah, so I see here. I didn't realize your grandparents were, you know, you kind of um, here for many generations, and it's. I mean, that's. I don't know how common that story is to have had um, be like third generation here in Australia, but you really feel the sense of. There's um, a constant movement and growth in the Pacifica community and people really intend to, with a vision of being here long-term, of, you know, seeing their whole, like bringing their whole families across and um, settling in. And I feel like it's a really exciting uh, time to kind of go, what does, what new needs and opportunities does that, does that present for the Pacifica community to start um yeah, ensuring that there's that there are ways of of meaningfully integrating the strength that that diversity brings to a wider Brisbane community, um, to this place. And um, I mean, something that stood out to me is just the actual diversity of Queensland generally, like especially South. I mean, all up the coast, there's people from all over the world, and every culture has such a unique contribution. And I think to set things up so that um, that support those diverse groups to make a contribution is really important um, moving forward. So, yeah, I think similarly, 
Um, with that in mind, I was uh, asked to support as a research, research assistant um, at Quigoma about five years ago. And one of the areas was just to look at um, look at the South, the Pacifica community of Southeast Queensland and understand more about the reality and the what the gallery, how the gallery could be more meaningfully connected to that community because we do host the Asia Pacific Triennial. Like I think that was a huge um, driver, the Asia Pacific Triennial being um, a very significant uh, event at a global scale for the um, presentation of Pacific art and culture and artists. And so it begs the question of if that's happening, what connection do local Pacific communities have to that event and to all the learning and research that goes on around it? Um, so we had, we ran a pilot project in uh, APT9, which is three years ago now, where we just engaged university students to come in and, you know, we learned many, many had never, although maybe done visits to Kogoma, had never um, engaged in a... Um, in the Asia Pacific Triennial as an event or, um, you know, understood much of what it, what the gallery was, what it meant to have that we have Pacific works in, in the collection, what happens around it just being a display of artwork. And so we engaged, I think it was um, across time, about 30 students to come in and just be in conversation to join spaces and share their reflections. And from there, some key insights were... Um, you know, came out of just really basic things that we could do to um, put a foundation in place to start to learn about this in a meaningful way, creating better access to APT as a th um, space, having more Pacific Islanders be the ones to help present and bridge, explain artworks and bridge the stories across the community, um, learn about having community engagement that was planned by existing organisations, um, and, you know, the values of hospitality and reciprocity, how do they find their way also into the way that we engage with Pacifica communities? So we thought, okay, there's some of those things that we can kind of, maybe if we get some funding for, we can put in place, you know, to an extent, and then see what comes after that. If those things are there, then what happens? So um, the intention for ACE was to do that, and we were very lucky to have support from the gallery to kind of... Um, give this some focus as a unique uh, project for APT10. And so we dove in, I think, uh, really the deep end <laughs> of a lot of things. And in that space of kind of going in deep, collaboration becomes not just a, a mode of, you know, this is a good way of doing things and it's nice to collaborate, but it actually is so critical. You become dependent on those collaborations, um, knowing that you're kind of in this new space that is unfamiliar and you need as many perspectives to see clearly as possible. So um, that's kind of been the journey for ACE and um, the outcomes we hope are that we're able to, you know, present some really rich ideas and possibilities back to community as well as to the institutions of ways that um, they can find mutual benefit in forming long-term relationships around these exhibitions and art, yeah, artists. So 
Yeah, certainly in um, the observations that I've had with this project is that the project has been received really well by um, both community but also department heads and people outside of that, including um, Arts Minister Leanne Enoch, who made a special mention of the project in one of her speeches, which was really exciting. Um, I was wondering if you could both share with me a little bit about exactly what your role is in ACE. Um, you touched on that a little bit beforehand and what projects that you're actually working on through ACE as well. So I was brought onto the uh, project as a catalyst and basically as a catalyst we were assigned to um, art, artists or two projects that we kind of document and um, speak to the artists and community members that assisted with that uh, particular project and just kind of document the learning process um, and a lot of reflecting as well with that. And as a catalyst, we were also able and had the opportunity to share our thoughts on particular projects and kind of assist with the groups that we were given. Um, so... I was assigned to a project with the Basifika Women's Alliance and their project is called Karakeni Nani and that's from the Bougainville community in PNG. And basically the themes that they were exploring is intergenerational learning um, and language. So they, so myself and Moale, who were assigned to this group, we sat in different meetings from the very beginning, uh, where there's, yeah, from the planning stages right through to um, the activation stage, which is yet to happen. But it's, it was really interesting just sitting in those meetings and conversations and seeing the progress um, and see it develop as well. So I know in the beginning they were given a lot of freedom so you can do whatever you would like. Um, and that was, I think that was out of everyone's comfort zones because it's never happened before. And I think that's the beauty of the ACE project because it pushed people out of their comfort zones and to really think outside the box. Um, but I think the themes that they're, that they're exploring is really great. So intergenerational learning and having tools and language um, and having guides. So one elder and one young person to work together um, and yeah, sharing about the artwork, mm. reflecting on the history and having those families share with their families and friends as well. Mm. Yeah, I feel um, the catalyst alongside a, um, a pair of writers and two kind of content creators were really at the core of this um, project. There's people that were seeing more broadly all of the different pieces of um, of the project, but also they were selected, identified because of existing relationships with community they were involved they were involved not just with maybe one um cultural group but you know they had connections across and they there was really a um 
a real enthusiasm and desire to be people that were able to contribute and open new opportunities. So I think that was a really important part of um, that team and all of them, catalyst writers, content creators shared those kinds of qualities and aspirations. And so um, they, they were able to choose things to hone into and kind of shape that role of, okay, uh, if these are the things playing out, you know, just openly offer insights and reflections at any point. Um, at sometimes, as so I said, kind of guiding and um, offering advice to people who it was their first engagement with the gallery, which can be very overwhelming <laughs> on many fronts, um, especially coming in to be working alongside a very new project as well. Um, had its own yeah, unique kind of context and challenge. So with that team, I guess my role was to be in that team, but to be the connecting point that was also more deeply engaged with the institution, with Kogoma. So maybe just like the liaison, I guess coordination. Um, yeah, project coordinator has come in to that space and I work very closely with Moale and with the curatorial team. And so I re it's really been more of like liaising, just kind of trying to match up conversations and do the work between that helps to just to keep the structure of the project intact. Um, that's there. And it's been so exciting because I feel like um, in seeing that sometimes, you know, you realize I think Molly mentioned earlier, some things come so naturally to Pacific community and they do, you know, it's kind of, even we had a weaving workshop and that was a really, for many people, you know, that was just them remembering what we would do very regularly back home or um, that kind of um, a space, but for a gallery to be able to have that and for audiences to be able to engage and then to have an artwork that, that was so, had such wide involvement um, and such a critical step that's so special to be able to learn how to do that. But, you know, for a Pacific community or for the people involved, sometimes we don't see the significance of skills and talents and ways of doing things that, um, yeah, are just natural to us. To, so to be able to see from both perspectives, to kind of look from the institution and say, wow, there's so many incredible things that we can um uh, do and then to also be able to comfort Pacific community and say it's, it's uh, what you're already doing is great. We just want to connect with that and not to look at the institution and feel like an overwhelming sense of expectation, like, like I guess mediating those, um, yeah, those, the expectations and things has been um, a big part of it, but also to be able to see ahead and kind of, um, yeah, try and guide it in a way that hopefully this experience leads to some some long-term outcomes as well. Hi again, listeners. Thanks for tuning into part one of this episode with Sarai and Ruha. And coming up next is part two of our conversation. I'll see you there.